Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. And welcome to What in Tarnation, Tar Heel Blog's hot take podcast. On this episode, we're discussing some less than exciting UNC basketball. I'm Tanya Bondurant, and with me as always is Brandon Anderson. Brandon, it's our first podcast of a new decade. It is. Unfortunately, it's not on the greatest of terms. It's not. It's not, but... Nevertheless, here we are. We're starting to find out what it feels like to be normal college basketball fans, Tanya. I don't like it. No, it's it, it feels wrong. It just feels wrong. So we've been away for a while, and I mean, a lot of that is my fault because I have really not been in a mood to talk about Carolina basketball recently. Um, it's thing things are things are rough at the moment, particularly. Everything that could go bad can go bad is going bad, really bad. Has gone bad. Has Continues gone to bad. go bad. Extra, extra bad. Um I mean, I don't think we've talked since the Virginia game, which was the last time we've seen Cole Anthony on the court. And we got Jeremiah Francis and Anthony Harris back. And now Anthony Harris is gone. Cole Anthony is still gone. B-Rob gets into a car accident, which I hope he's okay. I really do because the residual effects after those are terrible. Um, There's been a lot. It's been so much. So six, since that Virginia game, Carolina's lost six out of eight games with their only wins coming over UCLA and Yale. Um, the Virginia game, that was a really rough stretch of games against Oregon, Ohio State, and Virginia. Um, Baycott went down against Ohio State, but that really wasn't the entire story of how Carolina only scored 49 points. Uh, They went on the road to Virginia, and obviously playing Virginia is always tough, even though I feel like this year's Virginia is a very different Virginia than what we're used to. Still, at the time, it was kind of understandable that they lost, even though they scored 47 points, which is gross. But then the wheels came off. (laughs) And that was the home loss to Wofford. 
And I feel like that was the beginning of the end. Yeah, that was such a weird game. Like, Carmichael was cool, but yeah. everything else was so weird. Everything to that point had been kind of understandable. Like, Michigan wasn't ranked at the time, but then they were ranked shortly thereafter. Um, the Ohio State game was a mess, but Ohio State is a very, very good team. Virginia, again, at the time, it seemed more reasonable that they lost, even if the score was ugly. There was no defending the Wofford loss. I mean, it was the first one without Cole Anthony, and you can you know, reasonably assume that he would have been able to make up the four-point difference. But that game, it featured another drought that allowed Wofford to come back from a deficit at halftime, and things were just, they were bad. They were really, really bad. They were, and they only continued to get worse because they would go on eventually play Pitt. That went terribly. Like, I I don't even know what to say about that one. That was a combination of random person gets hot that normally isn't hot from three, along with UNC just being inept. Is that a polite way to put it maybe maybe not um yeah xavier johnson um that mcgowan's kid and the one that probably surprised us surprised us the most was justin champagne which he went three or four out of seven from three and his three-point percentage is terrible on the year but alas because dean dome problems he scored 22 points, and then Clemson happened. Except so. you somehow glossed right over the Georgia Tech game. Which yeah, I'm really trying to forget that one, too. <laughs> because that one, of all of them, that one was the real, like, things are not well um, indicator. Like, if, if Wofford could have been written off as an aberration – Georgia Tech came along to show us that it was not because Carolina didn't score a field goal through more than half of the first half. And, I mean, they looked much better in the second half, but it was too late. I mean, they had, they had dug themselves too deep of a hole. And, you know, that, that beginning stretch there of Georgia Tech, Pitt, and Clemson was supposed to be the easy part of the ACC schedule and Carolina lost all three games, including the game against Clemson, which ended Clemson's winless streak in Chapel Hill. Um, That was probably the most disappointing of them all just because of what it meant overall. Um, In the grand scheme of things, it was going to end at some point if it was ever going to end, a team like the one currently standing seems like the one, but the way that it ended, I feel like makes it more painful because it really seemed like Carolina had that one, especially because Brandon Robinson scored 27 points. Baycott had 21 points. The problem was 
they had nothing off the bench because everyone's hurt. Um, they had to start Playtech, who was actually surprisingly good in that game uh, with Jeremiah Francis out with knee soreness. And I don't know, it just feels a lot like when it rains, it pours. And right now it's like monsooning on Carolina. I think the way that I've chosen to process this is the Georgia Tech game was probably the one that made me the most angry, which is why I kind of like skipped over that one. But I mean, obviously we have to talk about it. It made me angry. It made me very angry. But I would say the Clemson one is probably the one where it was just like, it was peak, of course this happened. Um, Mm -hmm. I think there was just a lot of disappointment there because like, and Clemson did to win that game, or at least it was the start of them winning that game. What I'm sure every team is going to try until Cole comes back. And that's the full court press. They don't know how to navigate through that at all with Mm -hmm. the personnel that they have right now. Leaky kept getting trapped in the corner. He couldn't get out. And just nobody were decisions. There were some extremely bad decisions. They were doing stuff that Roy said afterwards. He, they don't practice that. And they were just doing things completely out of character because they kind of freaked out and we ended up in overtime. Um, And And how, how did we end up in overtime, Brandon? We ended up in overtime because of that three pointer hit by let me make sure that I get the name right. Was it Sims? I think it was Was Sims. that him? Yeah. Which also was because we found out that Roy forgot to tell them to foul. Up three. Up three. Six seconds left. Didn't foul. And did not foul. I mean Roy obviously fell on his sword on that one, and it's definitely up to the coach to remind your players of what to do in that situation. But I also feel like if you've played basketball at all, um, especially when a team is lighting you up from three, as Clemson was at that time, they hit eight second-half threes, I believe. Um, At that point, you just need to foul because you've proven incapable of guarding the three. Yeah. Yeah. so that was pretty infuriating. And and I know the players blame themselves. They don't blame Roy for not reminding them. Um, it was just frustrating. And then in overtime, it was very evident that the team just had nothing left physically. Um, and if you look at the box score and see that um, there was basically nothing off the bench, um, leaky, and Brandon Robinson played 41 minutes each. Brooks and Baycott played 37 minutes each. And Playtech played 39 minutes. Like, they were exhausted. They they had no rest. And that is definitely one of the impacts of just having a very beaten down, broken down roster at the moment. And I think that's worth emphasizing because I don't know that that was focused on much after the game concluded. Roy played a very, very, like, he barely played any bench players. I think he played, like, three. Mm -hmm. Three. It was three. Um, KJ played four minutes. Keeling played 10 minutes. Pierce played 16 minutes. 
but out of those three, only Keeling scored, and it was two points. So, so everything he, else was all on the starters. Yeah, he basically played a Duke rotation where right. it was just seven or eight guys, and which is ironic because I think Duke is playing like everybody right now because they have – I think they have a couple of injuries, but nothing of great significance. I think Joey Baker's out right now. But, yeah, when you play that short of a bench, you can't go to overtime. You just can't. They're not going to have anything left. If more teams took traditional Duke teams overtime, the probably a similar thing would happen. I would be willing to guess, but I can't say that for sure. But with this team – Absolutely, that was what I expected. Once we were going to overtime, I was just like, this is it. This is where Clemson kind of just puts their throat down on UNC and it's done. And it's unfortunate. However, the upside out of all of this, if you are to find an upside, and it's a pretty dark upside, before the game against UNC, Clemson beat State. And then Mm -hmm. following the game against UNC, Clemson beat Duke, top five ranked Duke. And we can talk about how bad the game was for us all we want. Clemson knocked Duke out. And it was pretty impressive. I think they led most of the game against Duke, whereas they didn't have a lead against UNC until overtime. Yeah, I need to pull up the stats because I remember looking and it was something wild in terms of like what their final box score was. Let me see here. So they finished shooting 56.6% from the field and made 42% of their threes. Wow. Clemson shouldn't be able to do that. I'm just glad if we have to hurt other people have to hurt too. Especially Duke. Especially Duke. And especially State. Because I'm fully willing to be petty. But if we have to suffer through a season like this, I want other people to experience just soul-crushing losses. And Duke has kind of skated since the Stephen F. Austin upset. So it's about time. I'm happy to see it. We love to see it genuinely. Yeah. And and I'll be real honest, like I, there are elements about Duke's team that make me nervous just from like a big picture perspective, not even necessarily looking at the UNC Duke games cuz I can't, I won't. I I'm trying not to think about it, but big picture, I mean because college basketball is so bad this year, I'm looking at Duke and I'm just like, there's nothing stopping them, but there's nothing not not stopping them. It, it's it's so weird. Like Kentucky just lost to South Carolina, and uh, Butler lost to Seton Hall. Yeah, and Florida State is up two on unranked Virginia with 50 seconds left in the game. 50 seconds left to go. It is a weird, weird, weird season. And if all of this is going to happen to Carolina, this is the season that it needed to happen 
I hate saying that. I know that because like I you know me, Tanya, like I'm ultra competitive. Like I don't I I hate them losing and all that, but also things are so bad around college basketball right now. It's like you can't really even look at a team and just be like, mm, that could be us right now because it's just like, would it though? Because it, it's pretty messed up everywhere, except if you're Gonzaga because you have nobody standing in your way. Pretty. Much I mean, it's forward. I guess there are two ways of looking at that. Like, yes, of all the years for Carolina to be bad, this one is not a bad year to be bad because everyone is not great. However, it's frustrating because in any other year, a normal Carolina team would be, yeah, like they would be amazing, um, assuming they were immune to the weirdness of college basketball this year, um, which basically only Gonzaga has looked immune to that to this point. But, yeah, it's it's both frustrating and also is like the thing that keeps you from just like completely giving up on the season because it's like, I mean, if Cole comes back and they're good again, then like, who knows? Um, Whereas like any other season, you just be like, well, we'll pack it up. It's almost similar to what happened in the coastal and football this year to where like UNC really should have been pretty out of it but there's points when we were just like they could technically win this because the coastal's bad it's just more on a macro scale than it is a micro scale i still kind of lean toward the fact that it's like pack it up time just because i don't see how cole fixes everything that's wrong with this team uh, but I mean, I don't know. At this point, I don't see a realistic path to the tournament. Um, I know weird things can happen. I just, yeah. I don't personally think it's super likely. I I'd love to be wrong. Please make me wrong. But Right. And I think there's a non-zero chance of it happening, but also I think the non-zero chance is not a large number by any means. They're going to need luck on their side. They're going to need some weird upsets to happen. Like they can't run into Duke or Virginia probably anywhere in the ACC tournament and – like realist like we can't realistically expect them to get past that i mean at this point virginia is not much of they're not even ranked um at this point you have to like at this point it's duke louisville and florida state and you're not going to i don't know like there's no way to get past those and also they appear on carolina's schedule in the not so distant future. Yeah. So uh, Carolina actually plays Florida state and Duke in back to back games Mm. next month. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, so uh, on February 3rd, they play Florida state on February 8th, they play Duke. And on February 15th, they play Virginia. And then on February 22nd, 
they play Louisville. So, <laughs> February, not looking great. Time is a flat circle, Tanya. It is a flat circle, and it is also pain because, I mean, at this point, there are like a few things that I just want to see. I My stretch goal is not getting swept by Duke. That is my stretch goal. What's funny is that's more reasonable than making it to the NCAA tournament at this point. I That is like the beyond stretch goal. <laughs> <laughs> um, at this point, my goals are more for pride than anything else. So don't get swept by Duke. Don't lose to State. Um, I would love to sweep State, and State is not very good either, so I don't feel like that's as crazy. But I I don't want to lose to State at home. But I really just need to not have that be a thing. Yeah. I'm just good with them not getting swept by either team. I want them to sweep state, but also at this point, I just – we'll see what we actually have by then. Not getting swept Um, by those two teams is probably the only, like, please don't have it be this bad thing that I have left Um, because – I mean, I've written off a lot of these things, um, unfortunately, (laughs) but those are the two that I just, like, can't fully let go. Um, At least Duke would be understandable because Duke is good. And mostly. Is that okay to say? Um, I I think it's reasonable. I cannot stomach losing two games to state. So we need to avoid that. My biggest fear when it comes to state is we actually need to have Cole Anthony back. Now, the gleam of hope, I guess, in all of that is Cole said on social media today that he should be back soon. Now, what soon means, I have no idea. That could be against Pitt. That could be against State, which is still a ways off because, mm-hmm. what, we play Pitt and then who else? We it's, play Pitt, Virginia Tech, and Miami before State. Yeah. So there's we a couple We don't play games. State until the 27th. Right. And if I remember the math that I did correctly, State is like when he should come back. But – We'll see. It all depends on how he looks and if the staff gives him the green light because I'm sure the last thing that they want to do is further mess up his knee to where he can't even do the combine when he leaves. So, mm-hmm. um, Before we dive into the pit stuff, the second, the round two pit stuff, we should probably take a quick commercial break. So we will take care of that when we come back.
Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. All right, and we are back. So, Tanya, shall we discuss round two of Pit? I suppose we should. <laughs> uh, you know what's already fun about this game is that we don't know if we're going to have B-Rob. And don't get me wrong, I this is, that whole situation is one of those where I'm like, if he doesn't play, that's fine. Like, I, I've been in a car accident. It's terrible. Um, he said that he's all right. I think he has some soreness and all that, though. But, like, I don't know. It's just, it's a lot to deal with. And it, it's just, if he doesn't play, I get it. I completely get it. But if we're just focusing on the pure basketball t- side of things, we really need to hope that he comes back. Um especially considering what he did against Clemson. So I feel like that's what's going to kind of make or break this game, even though, let's be honest, there is a lot of things that could break this game, as has been happening. Um, I think outside of the injury thing, what UNC needs to figure out a way to do is to keep Pitt from getting as hot as they did in the previous game. Now, what that actually looks like, how they accomplish that, I have no idea. And I think some of that is just hoping that they don't get nearly as lucky as they did when they were in the Smith Center. Yeah, I mean, B-Rob playing or not is going to obviously have a pretty big impact on what the outlook of the game looks like. I have this, I don't know, maybe it's just because of how this season has gone, but I just have a feeling he's not going to play. Um, I think all of the reports said that he was pretty sore and that the airbags in his car didn't go off. So there was nothing to kind of like soften the blow at all. Um, And obviously he was their best player against Clemson. They still lost, even though he put together a ridiculous effort. So, I don't know. Without him, it looks pretty bleak. With him, I think they have a chance if they can guard the perimeter, which, you know, who knows at this point. I think to to have a realistic shot, they have to have rob back just because at this point they're running out of bodies yeah i'm fairly convinced that they're gonna have to roll out more jv players soon and sadly i'm not even joking at this rate for sure and like i haven't heard anything about francis this week um if he's supposed to be 
ready to go or not, or if his knee is still bothering him. But if you don't have B-Rob and you don't have Francis, that's that's really, really... It's a lot of missing pieces. Yeah. And I just, I don't see how they have, like, the depth or the talent to get through even Pitt at that point. Yeah. Here's some things from the previous game that I think could make things look more winnable if these things actually could, because they did some things better against Clemson that I think had they done them against Pitt, they probably would have won. Um, One of those things was Pitt making 18 out of their 22 free throws. If you don't give them 22 opportunities, then maybe the final score looks a little different and maybe you even win it, depending on how many fouls you actually commit. Um, UNC committed 17 turnovers to Pitt's 13. Against Clemson, They uh, UNC cl- committed 10. So... That's another thing. If you actually keep from doing that, things get a little better. And then you kind of look at Leakey, who had struggled mightily up until the Clemson game, and he looked serviceable, I would say, against uh, Clemson. I, I think he looked about like what we would hope he would look like at the point. Um. I don't think that his box score necessarily jumps out at you and throws confetti in your face or anything like that. But I think he did mostly what they he needed to do to, you know, think, things were pretty good for most of the game. So I, I do think that there's some things that even if B-Rob doesn't play, you could kind of look at it and be like, all right. Where do we get the offense from, though? Right, and that's the million-dollar question. I think you're going to have to look at Brooks and Baycott to kind of balance all that out again because against Pitt the first time, they had 36 points total. Now the scary thing is B-Rob had 13, and nobody else hit double digits. So... It's going to be tough. You would have to look at a source that hasn't done anything against ACC opponents, and I think you know who I'm talking about. Christian Keeling or Justin Pierce are going to have to step up big time, which it me even saying that, and I hate to sound like a pessimist, I, I strongly doubt that's going to happen. Same. So there's, I don't know. It, it's going to be a really weird game if B-Rob doesn't play, I think. And I say weird instead of saying it's going to be terrible because Pitt's still not great. Like they had the performance that they did against us and then – as is tradition, they didn't do nearly as well their next game. So, I don't know. I guess the problem is, like, I don't. if Carolina didn't beat them the first time, 
I don't know how they can beat them even more shorthanded. Um, I guess we'll see. It's just, it's a weird feeling to be this kind of pessimistic about it, but it's where we are. Yeah. I mean, I just keep looking at their 58 points they had against Miami, and I'm just like, hmm, if only, if only we could just, like, keep things from getting dumb with Johnson McGowan's and Champagne because they had nobody else. They had 10 points from all their other players (laughs) against us. (laughs) So, like, you stop some of that from getting out of control and maybe things don't look as dire, but, I mean, we'll see. I'm not holding my breath. The video of if my grandmother had wheels, she'd be a bike. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. <laughs> because I just I just feel like saying like if and if and if like and like usually, and you know what's funny is I feel like that's usually how our like that's how we analyze games usually, but when it comes to this team, it's like we say that and it's like, okay, it's a lot of ifs, but also this team has just struggled in just about every department. So that was going to be a lot of my point was like, you were talking about like, if they can do this better. Um, I think the, one of the more frustrating things for me this season has been that like, they'll do something well, one game and like something else won't be good. And you're like, okay, so if you figured that out, the only thing you have to do is figure this other thing out and you'll be fine. And the next game, they'll do that other thing better, but they'll do the first thing that they were doing well, much worse. <laughs> so it's like, okay, um, if if we can actually hit threes, like it's it's okay. And then the next game, they'll hit threes, but they'll turn the ball over 20 times. And it's like, okay, that's not, that, that wasn't the trade off that we were hoping for here. Right. I guess my point was just like, since that Georgia Tech game, if you want to like use the scale of progress, things have gotten like incrementally better, just not better enough to like win. So, it's like, is this the game where they've kind of take a step up or are the stairs really like a trap and like the stairs turn into a slide and they just go sliding back down to the bottom? I just don't have the answer to that. I just don't. I will hope for the best, but expect the worst. That's fair. The way the season is going, I don't blame you one bit. And I say all of this as if, like, I'm trying to show some shed, like shred of optimism. Um, it's just more of what does a win look like? I, it's been a while since I've seen one. Yeah. So I don't really remember. Yeah. It, it's sad. been a while. Um. Is it time to discuss the theory that we sold our souls for 
football success. I think it is. Which is funny because I think Clemson sold their souls to beat all the triangle teams in basketball, which was the wrong move to make, in my opinion, because I know how Clemson people love their football and people were they, they were not happy after that game against LSU, which I don't know what you do against LSU. They were ridiculous. But um <laughs> yeah, for us, I that and we work with a lot of UNC football fans, and that's not to say that we aren't fans, but I think they're more energized by it than we are. And I'm not going to lie. If somebody goes, I will give you a good football season for a ba- if you give us a bad basketball season, I'm going to be like, no, nah, keep your good football season. I'm good. Same. Is just- Mac Brown... A horcrux. Really? I don't know. I really don't know. I'm at least willing to entertain the thought. Yeah. I'm willing to entertain it too. And I just, those listening, I'd be interested to know how you feel about that. Like, would you trade football success for basketball struggle? Because, like, the way I see it, College, like UNC basketball is historic. Like there's very few, if anything, you know, any program like it. And so when stuff like this happens, it's so out of pocket that it's just like, it's glaring, it's painful. And you basically are going to hear about it probably until October. And it's just, Mm -hmm. it's a lot. It is so much. Whereas like if football doesn't do well, you hear about it for like two seconds. And honestly, those two seconds are all state fans. Also our fans literally don't know how to deal with bad basketball because they start saying wild things. And they have been. Williams is bad and should be fired. They have been saying so many bad things. And it's just like, look, basketball is such a sport to where you have to have a healthy roster. You have no choice but to have somewhat of a healthy roster. I know injuries happen. There's injuries every year. But, like, we've had some crucial injuries. Cole Anthony being out this long has messed up a lot of stuff. I've wanted to do a spider graph where I'm connecting all of UNC's problems somehow to Cole Anthony, and I know that <laughs> not every single problem is him, but goodness gracious, if he was playing right now, this record would at least look somewhat better. So, like, don't blame Roy for that. Nobody should be blaming Roy for any of this. He's proven year in, year out that he knows what he's doing. This just is this year's Murphy's Law run amok. That's it. That's all this is. Yeah. I mean, this year is just. I think it's. Restoring balance, but for us, it's bad balance. Yeah. Because it's just very difficult for a team to be good every single year. Um, 
I don't think they were going to be as bad as they have been. Like, if if everyone had been healthy, I think it would be one thing. But it's been, like, kind of a down year plus just, like, all of the injuries. Yeah. It's been a lot. But as we've talked about, college basketball has also been a lot. To give an update while we've been podcasting, Georgetown, unranked Georgetown, has beaten Creighton. Florida State has beaten Virginia. Seton Hall has beaten top five ranked Butler. Um, Seton Hall is ranked 18. Uh, Yeah. College basketball is pretty drunk. Indeed. Indeed. Which brings us to our final topic of the evening or day, depending on when you are listening to this podcast. We should probably discuss best and worst of the week. And we normally do this for a particular game, but I figured since basketball is of the nature that it is, it only makes sense to do across the NCAA. And also it makes sense to do it that way because let's be honest, we don't have a whole lot of extremely positive things to discuss with UNC right now. Um, If I were to discuss something about UNC, I would say the women's basketball team. Yes, they beat State. They beat State. Uh, uh, Undefeated State. It was great. It was so fantastic. Like, I I am extremely happy with how that program is turning around. I wish them all the luck for the rest of the season. Um, Courtney Banghart is doing a great job. They could make the tournament. Oh, absolutely. So we will just uh, have that. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we get our credentials for that. <laughs> and I don't laugh because that would be lesser. I laugh because, like... We have nothing else to do. We, we have nothing else to do. So why not? That would be fun. Mm-hmm. Anywho, um, Tanya, best of the week. And it can't be the women beating state? Oh, it can be. It absolutely can be. That's probably mine. Um, But if we're talking like men's basketball overall, uh, number eight, Michigan State, losing 71-42 to unranked Purdue. That's probably (laughs) my... uh, (laughs) Is that the best or is that the worst? I don't know. Uh, it's funny. It's the best funny one? It's the best for us because it didn't happen to us. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, the best of and worst of gets kind of like a a very like fuzzy line. Because it's like, what is the good and what is the bad? Um but that that to me is the the funniest. Yeah. Absolutely. Um yeah, I I would probably say my best of the week is definitely the women's basketball team still doing their thing. 
Um, if I were to choose outside of the UNC program, I would definitely say Clemson beating Duke. That mm-hmm. was it was a good time. Yeah, that's the only way that I was able to stomach the streak being done was the fact that they went and did that. I, I think I was still pretty upset up until that happened, and I was just like, you know what, it's fine. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, worst of the week? Uh, Brandon Robinson's car accident? Yeah. Because, like, what else can happen to this team? Like, they are snake-bitten, and it's now venturing off the court as well. Like, they all just need to be protected, and we can't really do that. But it's... They- it's it's dangerous. It's scary. Yeah. They, it's just, there's so much happening right now. I don't, I don't completely understand it. I, and you know, we all have lived to this point. We all know that we as humans go through just random spurts of just the worst luck it's just it's wild to think that it happens to a whole group of guys Mm -hmm. just repeatedly it's 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 something else I, i don't even know that i have words for it um and my worst of the week i'm gonna say just the acc I realize that we've gotten into, and I, I am counting B Rob. Like I, I do think that is the absolute worst of the week. But I think the ACC has proven to me over the past week or so that they are that they're not anything this year to be afraid of. Just across the landscape of college basketball. I don't think this is the conference that you look at in the, when the tournament comes around and you're just like, yeah, I don't want to play any of these guys. It's like, mm, yeah, we could probably take these guys. So right. I think that is my worst of the – and, like, I'm sorry. Like, you got Duke out here losing to Clemson. You got – I think Louisville took a bad L too, didn't they? Didn't they lose? No, they. um, Oh, that was Florida State. I I stand corrected. Um, but they only beat almost lost to Pitt. Right, and they only beat Notre Dame by three. We beat Notre Dame by like ten. And granted, that was like way at the beginning of the season. And those games really shouldn't count for anything. But I'm just saying, like, with all the hype that was around Louisville, you wouldn't have expected that. Alas, the ACC is a struggle bus. Yeah. Yeah. And I know that we've talked about this before, but I think as far as the NCAA tournament goes and, like, other teams to root for, because, I mean, let's face it, North Carolina is probably not going to make it in there. I think I'm all in on Gonzaga, Tanya. Yeah, I mean, I'm fine with that. Um, if they want to run all over the rest of the people who will be there, I have no beef with Gonzaga unless it's when Carolina is playing them. So 
Yeah. Mark Few's a good do the guy. Thing, yeah. Go out and do it. Brandon, do you have anything else? I think I'm good. This was great therapy. We um, it was a it was a good vent session. Yeah, yeah. Um, we will do our best to try to get more shows done in the coming weeks. It's going to be a little tough because, of course, as we discussed earlier in this um, podcast, it's it's just been rough. It's been rough sledding. It's hard to want to talk about it, but talk about it we must. Yeah. I think we all need each other right now. I think that's the thing. Hopefully hearing us feel the things that I'm sure many of you are feeling is some form of um ho- hopefully it helps a little. Cuz we I are here for you. Absolutely, cuz I know it's frustrating, but you know what? Next year, I am about 98% positive things will turn around. But we're not at next year right now. We're in the present, and the present kind of hurts. So, yeah, that's all I got. We will be back, hopefully, within the week with another episode. In the meantime, you can find Brandon on Twitter at... THB Brandon. And you can find me at Tanya Bondurant or at Tar Heel Blog. Until then, go Heels. Go Heels.